How's it going, guys? And welcome to the eighth episode of Comics and Kaijus. We are finally back to full capacity. Joining me today is the one, the only, Austin. And then we got the boy Cameron returning yet again. How's it what going, is guys? up, you fucking beautiful bastards? We back at it, boys. All the boys are back at it again, and it has been a long time coming. Oh, uh, dude, we are finally back to 100%. Feeling great. We got a terrific lineup today with Rodan and the amazing Spider-Man, Maximum Carnage. But before we dive in, how are you guys doing? Let's get into our Slice of Life segment. So, Cameron, you go first, bro. How have you been? It's been a minute. Pretty good, man. Um, it's been quite a fucking while um, since I've talked to you boys. Um, work's been okay. Uh, finally went back into the whole valet thing. Uh, still slow. Uh, I imagine COVID's hit that business pretty uh, pretty hard, yeah, huh? Yeah, I could assume. I have to be honest, I'm actually very surprised that the hospital decided they wanted to bring back valet as the COVID uh, cases started spiking in the air. You are, like, you know, being safe with that, yeah? Yeah, so we're supposed to, like, before we enter the car, we have to <clears throat> ask the uh, client to roll down their windows, and we usually let it sit and air out for, I think, like, a minute. And then we uh, take some alcohol wipes, and we wipe down, like, the steering wheel, the, uh, the door handle, the gear shift stuff like that stuff that good, good. touch the most um it's still kind of iffy iffy you know getting yeah the car. i still don't really feel comfortable with it um and what's even more uh fucked is our pay actually went down from being a screener to what a yeah no i'm talking like from 13 dollars down to eight dollars <laughs> oh shit shit we don't get hazard pay um which sucks the big one i mean i'm just saying i'd be and looking for a new line of work my guy i've been looking at it i'm like get the fuck out of it, bro. yeah and oh we're also still technically screening people as they're walking in so we're doing screening and valet at the same time but getting paid less jesus wow uh well yeah, it's yeah, been fuck quite it, bro. Fuck yeah honestly dude look hey we the boys got your back on what you need to do but the one and most important thing is you're safe if you're yeah. safe and you're healthy then it's gucci but when you start getting a little sketchy with stuff like this you might want to go look for your better well-being my guy yeah I, mean, I heard i don't know man i mean i heard targets getting like paying 15 dollars an hour just to, like right off the bat and I'm yeah like, that, sounds, that sounds pretty um hey man nothing wrong with spreading your feelers out there no nah, no nah, i mean I like my job currently because I have a lot of uh, freedom in terms of like my hours. Like currently I'm working two to nine Monday through Friday and I get the weekends off, which is great. Um, but I, I have the ability to call off two weeks in advance, say if like I'm going somewhere or I have an event coming up and I don't yeah. get and there's no repercussions for it. Like I could call off an entire week. I can pretty much call off as many days as I want which mm -hmm. I mean, I gotta like be like, yeah, get the entire month off. Um, but it's not like they take out vacation time. Yeah. We don't really have like a set vacation, like days or whatever. It's kind of just like we mm -hmm. get life kind of kicks you in the balls. So they let us do whatever in terms yeah. of when we can and can't come in, just let them know in advance. Well, that's good. At least they sound like a pretty understanding group of people. Yeah. And the, the new manager in the shitty pay, but I mean, yeah, yeah obviously. Other than <laughs> the, the new management's settled into, and the two new bosses, I, I really like them. They're really cool. Um, so hopefully, I think they're going to start changing things around uh, for the better. 
so that yeah shit's safer for us and makes our job easier because it's been kind of rough well that's good man at least there's you know hopeful change in the future yeah yeah so yeah how how about you how are you doing austin Hey, man, we are we're doing good. You know, we got us another wonderful episode today. Always pumped uh, for recording days. You know, life's been doing good. You know, holiday stress. It's starting to get the knuckles grinded. And I absolutely feel that, man. But, uh, you know, update for as far as work goes, I'm actually going to another job uh my old job that i've been kind of working at the job i've been working at it's been it's been fine but i got an opportunity to go back to my old job more money and to go get more benefits with it i'm hey man can't pass up the opportunity so yeah, we gotta that sounds terrific hell yeah man I'm, I'm excited i'm ready to get back into ready to get back in my old job i'm ready to advance myself and i'm uh ready to move forward so you know life is life's looking good Absolutely, looking good man i hope that i hope it keeps on that trend for you bro how about you how about you my man what has been going on honestly man i've been having a blast you know just fucking ready to record another episode i've been pumped about it all day uh i was rereading through these issues this morning just to kind of refresh myself because i had read, read it prior but uh man other than that i mean i've got good friends thanksgiving went pretty well and honestly, oh yeah how did all y'all go? Uh, how did your thanksgivings go i ate way too much shit <laughs> I mean, putting it bluntly, I mean, dude, in all honesty, okay, look, my my girlfriend's on keto. She's doing the keto diet, so she has to watch what she eats. That's an intense <laughs> diet, man. <laughs> it is. Like, I honestly, I commend her for sticking to that because I tried it once. My body just hated it, so yeah, I stopped I it. it. I did it for it. And I, I'm more on like a bodybuilding diet of high proteins and carbohydrates and low fats. And that's what my body likes the most. So, you know, for me, Thanksgiving's not that big of a deal. You know, I got chicken. I mean, I got turkey. I got ham. Oh, or succulent ham. Oh, I get all the ham I want. So I get to go ham on ham yes, and have sir. all that I want. But I went over to my cousin's house, okay? So it's also my cousin's birthday is Thanksgiving. So she had sweets. But she is also a big keto eater. So she made yeah. keto-friendly Desserts, fucking brownie, fucking ooey gooey cake, fucking cupcakes and cookies. And I'm over here eating and then she brings that out and I'm like, bro, why? Why? For me? Then, no, you shouldn't have really. Right beside me and she looks at me. I'm just like, it is time. It is time, my child. It is time. Indeed, just had way too much of it. But man, it's... It's that time of year where you you really need to just eat, enjoy life, and it, it life is too short to not enjoy the little things. So I tell everybody, man, if you get a chance to enjoy yourself and eat, dude, just just eat. It's not going to end your life. Absolutely, man. That's what it's all about. That's that's what these holidays are all for, man. Just just kind of vibe, you know. And we exactly. Get really out. We get really stressed out, but when it really boils down to it, even when your family's like at each other's throats, you know, at the end of the day, we all still love each other. Just a fucking fun holiday to kind of relax, eat, and enjoy your time. Bye. Absolutely, man. Well, let's dive right into this movie. Uh, Rodan, I'm going to let Austin take it away. Well, today we are going into Rodan, a wonderful movie that I, I got to give credit where credit is due. 
Cameron picked this one for us. Absolutely. He threw the ball for Rodan and he gave us a banger, a, a wonderful Absolute film. Amazing. I, I really wanted to push this film because it's it's a very, very good uh, film. And it's I, it's one of those movies that starts off with the origin of a character that you'll see quite a bit throughout the series of Godzilla films. Oh, exactly. So I, I wanted to get it out of the way so it's not like when we jump into a Godzilla film where he appears, they're like, Everyone's like, who is that? Yeah, who the fuck is this dude? I gotta um, say, just like one one of the more interesting facts about Rodan, like you and I were discussing earlier, is Rodan was one of the first colorized uh, kaiju films that came out at its time. Uh, yes, with it, it, with it, it, it coming out the day after Christmas in 1956, which is a really interesting release date, because usually we don't see these kind of movies come out around that time. Usually yeah, I don't know. I don't know they come big, out during the spring uh, and summer. I don't know how big uh, Christmas is in Japan back then. I know it's still it's pretty big uh, nowadays. Yeah, um, it's a yeah, little more was, popularized. Yeah, this was uh, Toho's first colored kaiju film. Not um, first colored was, film, but no, first colored kaiju film. Yeah, no, that went to a. I believe it was a samurai film uh, earlier in the year, but it's still very it's, impressive for absolutely for first, a huge milestone. Uh, colored, it is. Yeah, it looks very beautiful for their first color. Uh, now, we color. watched, we actually watched the Criterion remastering from the original 1956 Japanese edition of the film, not the Americanized film that came out in 57. We watched that uh, Criterion remastery. And in all honesty, if you can get your hands on the Criterion remastery, watch it. Bro, because we are like it was so honestly, fun. yeah. It was we so couldn't cool. stop talking about how well they did these films for a film to be this old and to look that crisp and that clean for what it was. It, it's honestly awesome to see it in yeah, its glory. Very good. See, I actually because I watched the American version um, the night prior. He said to that so recording. aggressively. He's like, I watched the American version anyway. <laughs> Cameron's getting a little aggressive over there. Fuck you. Um, He's just just mad. He's just mad that we made him watch the the glasses. Push his glasses. glasses, Scratch his neck beard. Scratch his neck beard. Eats a skittle. Eats skittle. Wheezes Uh, really loudly as they exhale. Uh. I, I watched the American version prior to this, and because that, that was the version I uh, watched mm-hmm. growing up. Well, that's the, that's the version the majority of us would have watched, especially in our youth, considering that yeah. we really only had access to the Americanized versions of almost all of these Toho films back in the 90s, and early 2000s and the 80s, because we didn't get the actual Japanese renditionings like the original footage, uh, honestly, fairly late. So we got what the Americanized adaptations were to a lot of these because I didn't know that Gojira was even a thing because I knew Godzilla as Godzilla King of the Monsters. That's what I was shown. Godzilla, the Japanese version of Godzilla, didn't come out mass produced uh, till I think 2004. I believe believe 2004 because that was piggybacking off of the Godzilla movie that came out in 98. They piggybacked because that was such a bad fit that it, it kind of bombed at the office. 
Because I mean so, that's that was the fiftieth anniversary of Godzilla in two thousand yeah. two thousand four. So God I, damn, I think I'm a kaiju newbie. What the fuck? You guys are nerds. Very good. Out, man. <laughs> you gotta understand when you get into kaiju's as a kid, that shit just it resonates. And no, you, I fully sticks. understand, it man. Sticks it sticks so well. I fully understand, man. Like w- the way you guys are about kaiju, bro, is me for like video games and comic books. Like that shit. Oh my god, whole other level. I just love hearing this nerd talk. Honestly. Yeah. It's it's fun to have to have like you know memories of when I grew up. Okay, look, let me put it to you like this in perspective of how I grew up with Godzilla and kaiju's. Okay, I went up in front of my church as a like I think I was like five or six, and you know we, we had to do the Ten Commandments, and you uh, needed to read the Ten Commandments in front of everybody. We did. I did them right. I didn't start speaking parcel tongue. I was fine. So I, I bet you did actually I, start speaking parcel tongue. That was kind of <laughs> sus. He, he very I, made sure that he fucking, he was like, I did it perfectly. Nothing was wrong. It's <laughs> great. I went and did my Ten Commandments, and then afterwards, they were they went down the line of the kids from the Bible study, and they were like, okay, so what do you want to be when you grow up? And they're like, I want to be a fireman. And they're like, what do you want to be when you grow up? It's like, I want to be a police officer. Then they got to me. Oh, God. They got to me. Oh, no. They said, what do you want to be when you grow up? Godzilla. (laughs) (laughs) From the entire church. My mother, her face goes down. (laughs) Where was my dad? My dad stood up and said, that's my boy. (laughs) That's my boy. (laughs) I wanted to be Godzilla at at five years old. And damn it, I I stick to that. But I got stuck in being five foot six, so I got screwed. All right, I think every kid. If we're gonna take this, if we're gonna if we're gonna share some story time that's pretty fucking equally cringe, uh, senior year of high school for me. Future. Okay, so I was five. Okay, I was five. What's your excuse? (laughs) I'm stupid. I'm sorry, bro. This I'm stupid. stupid. <laughs> <laughs> no, bro. I thought it'd be funny as fuck. Fucking senior year of high school, right? I'm like fucking. Oh shit! I was 18, right? <laughs> fucking. Oh no. It was. Uh, what was it? It was like you know how like they do like the drug weeks where you dress up as what you want to be when you grow up or whatever, and like each day is like a different thing. Like you know, one would be like yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like an event thing. Like yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, so one yeah. of them was future career day. My ass showed up in full Green Arrow cosplay. <laughs> Hell yeah! I have I have Hell so many yeah. pictures. I have so many pictures because so many people wanted to take pictures of the dude that showed up to school head to toe, <laughs> head to toe in green leather. <laughs> teachers, oh god! To take pictures with me, bro. <laughs> Let's take, dude. No, I'm not saying that's cringe. That's my boy taking that shit to the next level. Screw that petty BS. You go hard or you go home. Exactly. That's what I'm talking about. Bro, all day I was wearing nothing. I I even left all my school supplies too. Like, I just showed up in the Green Arrow cosplay. What the fucking shit, dude? (laughs) My my health teacher was like, What do you want to be when you grow up? A motorcycler? I was like, Nah, a vigilante that uses a bow. (laughs) Sounds fucking cool to me. That's pussy shit. No, nah, dude, I ain't gonna go be a bro, lawyer. Bro. I'm gonna be the guy that sends people to lawyers. Bro, I swear to God, there were so many chicks that just fucking took pictures with me that entire time. They had the fucking yearbook committee come take pictures of me. <laughs> and we're talking oh about a school. God. We're talking about a school in a town that has a population of like ten thousand people, where my graduating class was like four to six hundred people. 
<laughs> and I have like a whole ass page in the yearbook. <laughs> Dude, I oh, wish my graduating my class was anywhere that close. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. So wonderful tales there, boys, but yes, sir. we still got a we're just now biting into the appetizer of Rodan. We haven't even got to the main course of this behemoth yet. This oh, let's get it. This film take a big fucking shot. This film, people really don't they don't really pay as much attention to it as they do, you know, Godzilla and the other movies that came after it because Godzilla set such a precedent for Toho. It, it essentially eclipsed every and all other individual Kaiju films that Toho really put out. Obviously, as you can tell by its success, that it is still one of the most recognizable faces in all of, you know, yeah, pop culture and film industry. It's kind of weird how a lot of people haven't seen the movie, but they like, they know, they know Rodan. They've heard exactly. the name. They know what he pretty much looks like. But everyone thinks that Rodan came from a Godzilla film, and no one knows Rodan has a standalone title. Which is weird because a lot of people know that Mothra had her own movie. Yes, they know that Mothra had a had a standalone, but they don't. They do not know of Rodan I'm not having a standalone film. I'm not going to lie. Having this outside view looking in uh, until this podcast, I didn't even know Rodan was a thing, but I knew of Mothra and Godzilla. Yeah, I mean, like I said, that's understandable because Rodan doesn't get as much screen time. And as as you as we will eventually get to in the later Godzilla films where Rodan is not only brought in more often, but also shown Rodan isn't really given the most love and appreciation as we see him here. Yeah, they kind of treat him more of like a kind of like a side buddy to Godzilla. They do. Um, it's like a love-hate-buddy relationship they have throughout the films. Yeah, he doesn't really do much of anything besides peck and fly. and it's good. They, Like they me really... and you were talking about in the destruction scene at the climax. This, was the fir- this is the only time we get to see Rodan actually use his wind gust at such devastating effectiveness. It, this is the only time we get to really see Rodan actually stretch his muscles and be this kaiju. The rest of the time, he's just honestly in the other films, he just it reminds me more of an, a nuisance than an actual threat. Yeah, at least not till the later films, like in Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla 2, they, he was a pretty dominating threat in that film. Um, and then in Godzilla Final Wars, he's also very dangerous in that. And then, honestly, I think we see him at like peak, like badassery in Godzilla King of the Monsters, the newest godzilla entry that came out the latest yeah. godzilla entry he just he looks badass he sounds badass huge. and he's huge that to me i think that was the biggest baddest version of rodan he's ever been i love and, how he's also like sort of like magma he hit like the, yeah. the ends of his wings are like glowing with magma he's like part volcano it's weird yeah, it's and really it, good yeah it looks really cool but back over here to getting into this film, we like I said, we get to see more of we, we basically get to see more of Ashiro Honda's amazing directing skills and being able to make these kaiju films come to life. He once again works his magic in this film to make you believe the scale of Rodan. He he honestly directs this film in a way to the point of where you at first you really don't know what you're seeing. At first, you think it's like a murder mystery, and then it's like a little mini monster scene, you know, when yes. they have the cave in and they have the little larvae that start killing people. And you think that's what the threat is. 
Yeah, it's kind of cool how it, it starts off from like because you go, you obviously are going into the movie knowing what Rodan pretty much is because of the poster. Um, yeah, but then it for majority of the film, you know, it's like, oh, there's a bunch of miners that are dying mysteriously. And then there's these giant fucking bug caterpillar things, or I think they're dragonfly larvae. I think um, so. Yeah, they're like giant prehistoric dragonfly larvae. And then it turns from like this creature horror film to a kaiju film in like two scenes. Yeah. And that's more of a Shiro Honda and his magic of some, you know, taking your views and subverting your expectations of what to expect from a kaiju film. Because granted, this is the uh, the kai. This is the early baby step state uh, days of kaiju films where it we're, doesn't yeah, exactly have its format laid out just yet. It's yeah, just no, we're, to form we're, it. We're still fresh into um, the kaiju. Uh, Very much so. So that's why I was really excited that when I saw this film for the first time, that when I watched this, when we watched this original Japanese version, it was so cool to see it not follow the atypical kaiju formula of shit happens with people. They discover big monster. Big monster has this long, like 30 to 45 minute impending doom sense of getting to where it needs to rampage rampages leaves. They stop it, rampage, and then it stops. And then it's just done. It's the same cut and dry formula that goes for multiple years through kaiju films. But this film doesn't have that. This film, you don't get to see Rodan until almost almost the end of the almost the end almost the end of the film. Pretty much like three quarters of the way through. But you don't even see Rodan as the threat until that end. At first you have those larvae, then you have Rodan you know, subtly being here and there and we don't see direct shots. Then we see Rodan hatch and then we start seeing Rodan in full force. Oh, and yeah, then we, we get the description and the climax. It's cool seeing Rodan hatch and then eats the Meganula larva. Yeah. And you're like, oh, fuck. So this is the true threat. And can exactly. I say, can I just say real quick, out of all the movies that we've reviewed so far, the destruction in this is absolutely the most stunning out of all of them, it looks. I mean, when you put exactly sixty per- you expect, when you yeah. put sixty percent of your fucking budget for the film towards nothing but the special effects, I'd expect them to be pretty damn good. Exactly, but and I mean, they, they they knew what they were doing with this. Yeah, they they, wanted, didn't, they it, didn't disappoint. They didn't disappoint. Oh no, they didn't. I mean, this is clearly not only just an improvement on what the original Gojira's you know miniature destruction brought to the to the big screen for the first time, but this not only elevated it, but it elevated it and it had to because now this is in color. Details are more refined, so the miniatures needed to be more refined. Things needed to be detailed out more. Uh, more precisely and like the one thing that i mentioned in the destruction scene where we finally see rodan you know full fully suited and he gets on the ground and starts you know flapping his wings and everything's blowing over and all of that good business we actually get to see sparks coming from the electrical lines as they're falling over and the transformers blowing up yeah little details like that very tiny details like when he knocks over water tower water comes out of it it's not like they just built the water tower and like all right that's that's it they filled it with water. It's tiny shit yeah. like that that makes those scenes just a little bit more believable. Exactly. Um, 
But like I and, said, that's that's the step up of what I'm talking about going from, you know, back when Gojira was originally filmed, the black and white was able to disguise and hide a lot of little details that you wouldn't necessarily need to see. So it made it to where the budget could be spread out a little more evenly. But it also meant that now that this is in color, it now has to be above and beyond that because you can't hide little details anymore. They need to be shown. There's no way to hide it when it's that crisp of a picture. Exactly. So moving forward with the film and getting into it in talking about how Ishiro Honda really Sub, you know, subverted our expectations with the film. When we do finally get to see Rodan, it's not like we, you know, oh, it's not impactful. It doesn't feel good. It it feels like we've been leading up to a bigger threat this whole time. Yeah, because another thing about this film is the pacing is surprisingly <clears throat> like pleasant. It is. Um, it's it, a good it, pacing of a film because even though Rodan doesn't show up till late in the movie, it doesn't feel like that. Yeah, it doesn't feel like Rodan is just like, oh, finally. It's like it feels like it's at the proper timing. Yeah, no, there's a lot of suspenseful scenes. And you, you also have those uh, the Meganula that, yeah. that keep you entertained as well. And it just for some reason, it works perfectly. Well, I think the uh, Meganula do a good job of like setting up the violence. Like, honestly, I was surprised of seeing so much blood as we did in this because usually in yeah, Kaiju films, wasn't it, now that you mention it. Yeah, it, that was something that I know I mentally noted to myself was like, there's a, a noticeable amount of blood in this film in comparison to normal Kaiju films when we have destruction or any sort of Kaiju action. It's usually the the death, the destruction and gore and all that is implied. It's like, hey, yeah. that guy got crushed by a building. He's obviously straight up putty on the ground so obviously he would be dead but here like when the meganula attacks people you're seeing it like ragdoll the shit out of them and then their corpse is laying there cut up and bloodied up and all that so it's drenched in blood bro oh yeah it's intense and i was really surprised by it it's really nice like they almost got the color completely down too like it was that bright red on like the uniform Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it, yeah, that was like yeah. another thing I was talking about that I mentioned, which one of the films we are going to be coming up on soon, which I really absolutely cannot wait for, is Godzilla versus King Kong. And we, I, I brought up the fact of color paletting in that film I really enjoyed. And then I got a hand at the camera, and he brought up the fact that the color palette in this film was done really well, especially noticing it more often because of the Criterion remastery. Mm-hmm. You're able to really see the colors pop, and then the blood popping off of the color palette really made it even more noticeable absolutely to the point of where everything popped uh, so it's kind of cool being able to compare and contrast the the version that i've had you know growing up because i it's the same dvd that i've had since i was probably like maybe eight years old um and it's the quality is pretty bad (laughs) it's very bad actually um but that's just because of the really crappy american ports um, so it was very cool to see the film in the the way that they meant to display it. Uh, you get to see a lot more detail, plus the added scenes for the Japanese version that were cut out of the American version. So yeah. I, I, it was cool watching the movie and be like, oh, fuck, I've never seen that before. It's like you get like an extra like five seconds of uh, kaiju action. Um, yeah. 
And and honestly, that's one of the reasons why I prefer the original cuts of these Japanese films, especially like from Toho and things along those lines, is that like the American films, the one thing that's always bugged me about them is they won't just originally bring it over. They will either cut things, they will change things, or they will you know, do reshoots and re-edits to introduce their own thing. Now, Godzilla King of the Monsters, I feel, is the biggest, like, I guess you would say, offender of that, considering the film takes almost a completely different pacing. Yeah, the American version of uh, Gojira is... It's pretty muddied. Yeah, it's almost like a completely different fucking film. Yeah, exactly. It takes the tone away. It it does take the tone away, which is very disappointing. And that's what a lot of people, because a lot of people know of the American version. They're like, oh, this is pretty dumb. And I'm like, if you ever watched, like, you need to watch the original. It's depressing as shit. It is. It's dark (laughs) as fuck. But that makes you want to kill yourself, bro. It's so depressing. That is what the movie was intended to be. It was meant to be a film based on the, the threats and consequences of nuclear war, which is what Godzilla was meant to be at the beginning of his life cycle. That's what it is. It's it's I, literally supposed to be a giant reminder. And it's kind and, of weird because it's kind of the opposite of that for this film in terms of the American and Japanese editions. Uh, I actually think that the American version of Rodan has a bit more somber tone to it. In yeah. In terms of and there's a little bit more of a moral at the end. <laughs> the, so for the American version compared to this, there was a narration that was done throughout the film. Uh, and it's done very, very well. It's not obnoxious and annoying. It doesn't slow the pace of the film at all. It actually, on the rare case, it actually helps the film. Um, and they also had it added different uh, uh, music to it as well. Yeah. Uh, so it- th- they added music in certain <laughs> scenes that would... Uh, help those scenes as well in terms of atmosphere and emotions agreed and that's that's you know kind of more along the points of when you change a film's tone it can deliver a completely different message than what the original source was trying to go for yeah and i feel like a lot of the times when you do that i think that's getting a little too much I I understand if you're trying to just add an extra scene to add more impact or to change a narrative of a a secret of a a specific situation. But if you change a narrative of the entire film, you take away the film's impact and its original intent. Uh, Yeah, I think Rodan isn't too bad as far as off the tone. Like you said, it's a bit more somber in the Americanized uh, film, which, by the way, came out in 57. It came out a year after the original Japanese release. It uh, probably also the more that's probably the version most people most have seen. yeah like, I'm talking ninety percent of people have seen um oh yeah I agree it's all it was the more it was the more easily available one it was also televised yeah. more especially here that in the too. U.S. that too I remember seeing it on TV when I was younger oh yeah um, no I I remember watching it on TV for the first time and then I had a VHS of it and watched it as well <laughs> yeah. I, I still, I still, even though I watched this version and I love the way this one looks compared to the very choppy looking American version, I still prefer the American version. And I know that sounds like blasphemy, but like, I don't know. You have your reasons. It, you know, it, it could be, free. it could, maybe it's, maybe I'm just overthinking it and it, maybe it's just 
nostalgic childhood like memories that mm-hmm. make me like it more than the this version that I just saw today. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just it's really hard to explain. I mean, no, I completely get it. I, I feel that way about uh, <clears throat> I feel that way about some of the Godzilla films. Like, you know, I I grew up watching the American dubbed. So to me, American dubbed Godzilla films are what I know. And, you know, we're I going mean, through watched- each one of these films and we're going to be seeing the original Japanese version, which is, you know, the yeah. way it was intended to be shown. Almost so, all honestly, of that's, that's kind of what I would prefer for us to watch just so that we can review the original source material. Well, yeah, that, so, that's what I'm yeah, wanting to. Yeah. That's what I'm searching for when I yeah. find any when we get films. I'm trying to find the original Japanese versions. Yeah, I'm that, wanting that these to be the original source. Because it'd be which great I think that, like that's a good idea to do. not changed by yeah. anything else over time or anything like just straight up how it was. That's exactly what yeah, we're here for, bro. I, oh, yeah. We're here for the raw, real deal. Absolutely. Yeah, I might even watch both versions, um, see what differences there there are, um, so that we can compare yeah. the two. Like, I feel like maybe, when the later... cut scenes, or, or maybe it's just... they just. I feel like, ma- like later into the Toho era, with especially Godzilla films, I feel like they really didn't cut as much back in the day. Yeah, like, no, I... It was the early shit, the very beginnings of it all. They cut a lot. Like I think Godzilla versus King Kong was the last time they cut a good amount of shit out because they the, well, the tone of that film was changed. Yeah, that and I think for Godzilla versus Mothra, um, they actually for the American version they added a scene. I think so. Yeah, they added a scene really? where the. Uh, the American Navy bombs the fucking shit out of Godzilla. Yeah. And I think that was literally just to be like, Hey, look at the which, Navy. Which yeah. I, I'm probably, I, I like that version so much more. <laughs> I, I watched both back to back and I preferred the American version. Yeah. But I mean, this isn't, you know, we're not here to say, you know, which is better, which is not yeah. people. Like it's, people it's, kind of thing. it's completely up to you people. It, it is not up to us to tell you which one is the more superior film, because at the end of the day, it's all opinionative. And you may think the Americanized version is better. You may think the original Japanese version is better. Maybe and that's you like, not maybe you like the, the cheesy dialogue from the American dubs. Who knows? I mean, it's all up to personal preference because a lot of people watch these films and they watch it because of the cheesy dialogue and the really bad lip sync of the dub. And yeah, it's like that's, it adds a different kind adds, of feel to the movie. It does. And, and it adds it's flavor. Almost, yeah, it's it's a very weird flavor, but it's a weird flavor, but it's, it's a, a flavor, flavor that you remember. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> So this film really did set the tempo for future kaiju films that like we can't go, you know, without mentioning it. You know, the the score comes in rather later than I would think, uh, especially by Akita Fukube, which, you know, he's done all of the great kaiju, all of the great Godzilla and Toho monster uh, film scores. It came in surprisingly late in this film. Like, yeah, I'll even, I even remember Cameron. You were you were saying yeah, that I, I it, mentioned it's I, very late. I, yeah, he, I, was I, like, was like, he was like, wait, there's no fucking music, and then, and then boom, it starts <laughs> yeah. immediately. I noticed that a lot of oh, the film doesn't really have a soundtrack for most. But of I think the that film. that adds to it, though. I think that makes it more ambient and just freaky. That there's just moments of just nothing, just straight silence. Yeah, it nothing did, but happen. at the What's same time, nothing. Yeah, it's weird. It, it felt different, and not not in a bad way. It, it it was just different, but I was still hoping for that like 
added oh, but you gotta remember. To, to add to that experience. Uh, no, like, I agree. Going into the mine. But just remember what we both said when they finally showed Rodan and uh, and Fukube. He came in with his score. It creeps in. It creeps, no, it creeps in, in, but man, is it a banger. It is That's a banger good. when it happens. So it is worth the wait. Absolutely. It, 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 once again, this is another one of his classic scores. You can't go wrong with him. He's always done well and he can, it, his, his stuff is classical. You can't, you can't beat it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he obviously always, he always kills it. Absolutely. You know, in production and distrib- distribution also, you know, once again, it's all by Toho. So there's no questioning who or where, or what it came from. And the movie raked in a decent amount of money too at, at a, uh, at an American dollar amount of 1,372,525 bucks. It is not a bad rundown. It is not a bad bring back. And I, I'm fairly certain it did well at Japanese box offices as well as American box mm-hmm. offices. Yeah, and, uh, obviously, because Toho been. kept making films. I yeah, mean, Toho didn't stop. Right. I mean, yeah, he just kept making more kaiju movies, so he had to have had fucking more funding. And Rodan yeah. appeared in more God in in more Godzilla films, so there was obviously some sort of calamity of wanting him to return. Yeah, I mean, Rodan is one of Toho's big five. Um, and absolutely, kaiju he was, is. Uh, he's a very popular kaiju in Japan. Um, another thing in terms of when we're talking about box office. Um, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I couldn't find a budget for the film. Um, I looked myself and couldn't find one. I imagine we might need to do a big deep dive on it to I, figure out the exact I would budget. Thought, oh, yeah, just Google it and it'll be right there. But yeah, I, I checked really, multiple sites and Godzilla fan pages and I'm like, where, where the fuck's the budget at? <laughs> we're, we're just going to, you know, we're going to not worry too much about it not live on it you know you you kind of get the idea these movies were not made on a very high budget they were made on the penny on the dime and made humongous profit because of it uh it's just that's the magic of the toho films it always has been and it continues to hold true today even though today obviously due to inflation the films have obviously started to be able to make have more money be put into them and they've been making them back and that being said you know this film did fairly well for what it was. It it looked good. I they once again fantastic. It looks really good. Um, I like was really surprised, especially with the Criterion Collection. It looks fucking nice. Bro, like I it was really saying, does. Man, like the destruction, a hundred percent the best that we've seen so far. The colors looked vibrant. Like not what you would, not what I expected whenever I heard that this was a fifty six, a fifty seven movie. You know, I was thinking, oh, you know, you're gonna see a lot of like film grain. You know, just the old shit that kind of adds to the aesthetic or whatever. <laughs> when we watched this, man, honestly, I could have swore this movie came out of like the eighties or the nineties. Easily, absolutely. So. The f- the film really felt like it would like look wise was ahead of its time. Dude, it was popping and... compared to what I expected. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. And I mean, it had a a runtime of like what 82 minutes or so so it it had a decent length mm-hmm. about almost an hour and a half it didn't feel like it was too long didn't feel like it was too short it felt no, it good and it very, felt well paced yeah i mean um, i felt like all the characters as far as like character wise goes i didn't personally get attached to anybody but no I the only like the- two notable characters really are um yoshi and uh, his girlfriend and I don't even remember his girlfriend's name. Yeah, but it's, yeah, it's like the, you, get attached to your main either. focus. Your main <laughs> focus wasn't even meant to be these people. The yeah, main the focus was being the they're cut and dry. Yeah, they're cut and yeah. dry. 
it, the the main focus is is obviously on Rodan. Rodan is our big boy. He is the yeah, one that we're it's, focusing it's on. Not, it's not necessarily a bad thing as long as the monster is entertaining. Exactly. Um, and I, I feel like Rodan was. I feel Rodan was an entertaining monster. I felt that he was a good design. And he looks fucking great. He's pro- I'm going to be real with you. This is the best looking Rodan you're going to see. Honestly, um, yeah, because ever, ever since here... All the way oh. until you get to the brand new Rodan that we just saw last year. This is the best he's going to look. Obviously, the wow. suit just goes downhill from here. That, yeah, that the, is it, unfortunate because, I mean, this one's kind of rough, not going to lie. Oh, no, um, it's worse than the no, other no, one. <laughs> Trust oh me, it gets worse. Rodan in the later show right of into this shit show, huh? Oh, yeah. Rodan in the later show of fil- uh, films looks... <laughs> It he looks like he don't crack. And there's there's some there's some Godzilla fans out there that love the later Showa uh, versions, and I'm I'm I respect that opinion, but I just want to let you know that you're wrong. I, I mean, really yeah, you're a bit wrong. I'm sorry. <laughs> Newsflash: You're I wrong. I just want to let you know that you're wrong, Chief. Um, so, I do like the uh, haste hey, uh, version and the Millennium version. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, that's I when the Toho. Toho had a bit more money to work with there, so they were able to finally like redo the suit to something different instead of Rodan yeah, being the same yeah. fucking suit from the fifties. That's Rodan just literally degrading. <laughs> yeah, he just it, his suit's degrading to the point of where it's just like, bro, how do you exist? It's like, yeah, it's pretty uh, bad. Absolutely. So, I mean, as far as the suit goes, this is like I said, this is the best we're going to see Rodan as far as like puppeteering and his yeah. suit and the yeah, way that goes. still does a fucking that's, fantastic job are you kidding me he still does that's it doesn't matter that I mean, man the, the puppeteering is a in this tank one, that's kind of unfortunate because the puppeteering in this one's not as bad as reptilicus was like that shit show well i mean reptilicus was a it's pretty bad i ain't gonna lie about it I, I, it's just but kinda, I mean, also it's kind of rough to think that it only goes downhill from here as far as like the puppeteering. But that's because goes. Rodan oh. isn't the main focus anymore after this. That's why I said that it's sad too. that this is this is his only main focused film. He's never once again in front of the spotlight. He is yeah, always no, living really under make, Godzilla's shadow. They don't make Rodan really uh, a key character in any of the show of Godzilla films. He's I mean, kind of just like. I mean, there. I guess that, I guess yeah. that kind of happens when like your only superpower or whatever strength was just speed. Like we were talking about, like all he did was he fly. is the speed. Yeah. He's got <laughs> like, the all super, he does he's got supersonic speed. I mean, it's kind of hard not to get sidelined at that point by yeah, yeah. another power breath, which or atomic breath. My bad. Another yeah. power that he has that is often like forgotten because it's only in this film, and I kind of wish that they would have showed it in other films. Is he's got. It's like a concentrated wind breath. It's weird. Yeah. You, see, no, you, see, it, you see like steam coming out and yeah. then it cuts to the buildings getting like absolutely fucking now, destroyed. Do you remember wind. the Godzilla Destroy All Monsters video game for like the PlayStation 2? Bro, and, like, I was just yeah. about bringing that up. Yeah. Okay, so no, I had like that... Godzilla experience, but I played the <laughs> fuck out of that game. <laughs> In that game, Rodan has a beam attack just like everyone else does. And it's literally just like a tornado that comes out of his mouth in like a concentrated like like circle. And he has a beam attack just like everyone else does. And this is the only time we get to see any of that done. It's like it's completely forgotten about and never brought up again. Like it's like the plague. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember Angus also had that attack, too. It was yep. very weird. 
It was weird um, because Angiris never was shown having any sort of beam attack like he didn't all. have a, he didn't he didn't have a beam attack, but he did have a supersonic roar. Yeah, the supersonic roar would have been nice. Because <laughs> you see no, you see it in uh Godzilla raids again. He when he roars, the buildings crack and they fall apart. Did he did he do that in Final Wars as well? N- no, no, I don't didn't. remember I don't if he did or not. No, but he does it in Godzilla Raids again, and that's the only time you see it. Um, of course, it's a the worst fucking movie, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, movie, you, you know, you love shitting on it. it. I mean, yeah, I do. I oh, love yeah. shitting on these films. It's fun, uh, but I still am not going to deny what it is. Absolute <laughs> it, yeah, garbage. <laughs> yeah, that was, a, that was a cheaply made film. But, I mean, once again, you know, with Toho and making. It, they once again made these sets unbelievably well. They look fantastic. The mines look like mines. They look legitimate. The miniatures look amazing. The The set just looks fantastic, especially with the matte paintings blended into the actual actors and the green yeah, screens. The matte paintings looked fantastic. Yeah, that matte it's literally amazing. It, it was just like how we were talking about it with uh, Mothra. Same thing it is beautifully done it looks fantastic and you honestly this is like just top tier set design it's some of the best we've seen it's some of the best we get and honestly it's up there and some of the best that we're gonna see because at that point we start getting a little bit lazy in the later uh the later era It, it just starts becoming the same thing it doesn't really you really start to lose these really beautiful scenery shots that these people have painted for the specific, for just one fucking shot. And mm-hmm. when you look at it in that light, a lot of the the work just goes away in the later films because it's like, mm, probably costs too much money to do. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's kind of, matte paintings take a long time to do as well. They do. They take a while, but that's, it, that also accumulates into the fact that the later Godzilla films, they honestly were just pumping them it's out not, like clockwork. And when, when, when we mean later Godzilla films, we're talking the millennium era. Yeah, because at that um, point, you're getting the same fight sequences in the same situations in the same spots. Yeah, at that in the millennium era, CGI was starting to take over. Yeah, and it's um, it's that it's kind early of a, kind 2000 of CGI and it doesn't. Yeah, it, yeah it's a shame because. Even with CGI, I, I don't know how the fuck matte paintings still look w- way better than it's because it's that background. early. It's the early 2000 CGI and that CGI was just so, it, it so wasn't good. Bad. Yeah, it wasn't good. And it's not that they weren't doing a good job. It's just honestly, the technology wasn't there yet. That it. It's sad, and I really wish it wasn't that way. But it's just mm-hmm. it's a it's a a product of the time, and there's not much that they could really do to combat that. So it's mm-hmm. dis- it's disappointing. It's sad, but I mean, what else are they gonna do other than try their best at what they had? Uh, but the matte paintings still hold up the, to the test of time. And as we saw, and as we all commented and continue to comment, how great this film looked. The, uh, you know, the special effects, as we've all said, is on point. This film, absolutely, you honestly can't go wrong. After 
you know, Rodan starts getting shown and he really starts his rampage and starts really destroying everything. Yeah, he just we really and it goes burr. <laughs> <laughs> it pretty much is what happens, but it looks good. It it, it, really it honestly looks good. They they really did a bang up job on the special effects another, in this film. Another cool thing is there's two Rodans in this. Yes, it is um, not just one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's actually I I love how you go into the film, you're like, oh, it's just going to be one monster. And then you get the Mega Nula, and then suddenly you're like, oh, fuck, there's two Rodans. It's and like, oh, it's Rodan. It's the, their uh. mates. It's a male and a female. And they, you find out that the Rodan species has a very strong bond to their mate. Because mm-hmm. um, the, the, during the uh, rampage scene in the city, Rodan calls out for his mate uh, as because he's getting hit a lot by the military, and they they just tag team and they fuck up the military. Yeah, um, it it was really cool to see that it wasn't just you know like you how you would have with Mothra. It was just Mothra, and when it was Gojira, it was just Gojira. It was Rodanza. It was two. And it yeah, was really cool. cool to see a mix-up of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was cool to have two monsters in this. Um, it kind of spices things up. Yeah, I agree. It did, it did and does, and I think it was a good idea to do that. And I liked the the way it ended was a very... It was a very oh, yeah, sad yeah. note. Uh, yeah. The end scene is so fucked It's. It was sad. Yeah, yeah they're monsters, and they destroyed the city, but... It's it still sad. Think, yeah, it makes you think. At the it, end, you know what um, it really reminded me of? It really reminded me of uh, Godzilla Returns, Godzilla 84, when he falls in the yeah. volcano. It was the same principle. It's like, yeah, Godzilla just went on this giant rampage, but yet he's just a he's just an animal. He he's just he, he doesn't he's know. An what he's, crea- he's an animal. That's, he's an uh, animal created by our own hubris. Yes. And it's our own mistake that he exists. And now he is suffering because of it. And it's that's how it feels with Rodan, even though Rodan was Rodan literally is just a prehistoric animal. We had no we had no way of fucking with it. We didn't make it. It was literally just Rodan was a prehistoric creature waiting to be released. And once it was released, Rodan went out and discovered everything and discovered the world. And the next thing you know, its mate dies and instead of trying to live its life without it, it dies alongside it. And it, yeah, that was another thing. Um, is the Rodan? It can't live with itself without its mate, so it technically kills itself. Yeah, and it dies alongside with um, his mate. Yeah, they both die in the of lava the of the volcano that. Uh, the lava from the volcano that the military eventually cracked open with the missile fire they were and doing. It's, it's, it's kind of cool. The, that one shot where Rodan tries to escape again, you know, make one last ditch attempt to try and fly away. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was actually an accident. They, there was something wrong with the cables. And so they pulled really fucking hard and it yanked the Rodan puppet really high into the air. And the director loved it so much. He was like, no, I'll keep it in the film. Well, it looked good. It's it made it have a little bit more. 
Yeah, it looked it looked like it had a lot more volume with it because the Rodan was actually trying to get away, but in actuality, it couldn't. It couldn't. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't like a it'll just get away. It was like it physically can't get away. And in the uh, the U.S. edition, uh, the narrator he talks over the the death of the Rodans. Yeah, and kind of kind of has like a says a poem, and it's very somber and sad. Yeah. Uh, so we see Rodan's they, they finally have perished in the, the lava. The film comes to a close at its 82 minute mark. And honestly, it, it is a fun 82 minutes to sit through. It, it's not even really like, a, oh, I had to dredge through this. Oh, it was enjoyable it, as fuck. It was a very enjoyable film. I, it's so a, much better it's something... than Reptilicus. <laughs> honestly a very big step up from reptilicus Absolutely. from what we had to let we legitimately dredged through that but I'm we made honestly, it fun i'm honestly kind of happy a, we chose to wait on this one so that we could have all of us here to enjoy this and just yeah i really wanted to talk about this because it, it was probably one of my most watched godzilla or kaiju films uh as a kid i really fucking love this movie understandable but boys we've come to the point of where we we've already said we don't really have a character that really stood out for any of us so we're just gonna skip the our usual favorite character but let's we gotta get our favorite scene that is something that is unavoidable in these films we gotta have a scene that was our favorite so i'm gonna let matt since you're you are the the one discovering all of these for the very first time so i need to know what (laughs) was your favorite what is the what is your perspective? What is your favorite scene? Honestly, Speak, Joe. my favorite scene is like whenever he's like destroying the city, you know, he's out of the water now and like the tanks are rolling in and they're just running over those power lines. And like you were saying, little sparks were shooting out of the power lines and stuff. But it was just so cool because like the tanks just kind of like surrounded him at this building and he just, you know, took a few hits and was just like, nah, fuck this and just flapped his fucking wings and like blew apart the entire building. That to me was it was amazing. Good choice. Good choice. It was I, a really solid scene. I like it. I like it. Cameron, what is yours, my man? I gotta know. From a child's point of view, uh I my seat my favorite scene was always the uh city destruction. Uh, oh, yeah. he's going on that rampage, um, and then the mate shows up. I oh I was always uh, glued to the screen whenever that came up. Uh, it's kind of it's just it's a very childish point of view. Uh, hey man, there's nothing wrong with it being childish. What matters is what you enjoy. That's what matters. I mean, honestly, I, don't you watch the kaiju movie for the destruction anyway? So I, that's the only I, reason I watch. Yeah, exactly. What are you talking true. about? True. <laughs> it's not childish if the reason you're watching it is for the destruction. Like everybody watches it for the destruction, man. I think. I mean. Is it this it, for this film? The destruction scenes always grabbed me more rather than any of the other Godzilla films that I had. I don't. I, maybe it's just because they put a lot of detail and attention to the destruction scenes and the detail of the miniatures. Uh, it made it feel a little bit more real. Mm-hmm. But I, I every time I watch the movie. I grow more and more attached to the end scene, though, when the Parrot Dance die. Hey, uh, dude, that's understandable. It was a very powerful scene. 
I, there's just something about it. I just like the uh, the mood that they create, and they're like, "Yeah, we killed the Rodans, but at what cost? It, was it really worth it? You know? Yeah. Uh, and it makes you think. No, yeah, I get that. I completely respect that view, and I think it's a good choice. I, I really do. And mm-hmm. for myself, I'm, I'm gonna honestly, I'm gonna be a bit weird. I'm, You're I'm gonna weird. Well, yeah, that's that's, that's acceptable. That's acceptable. It, I'm honestly going to say my favorite scene was the scene in uh, the beginning of the film when they were trying to find the miners that drowned and they all just suddenly started getting pulled under the water. It was very horror-esque, very... It's very terrifying. It's it's very horror. It it has a lot of horror elements in it, and I'm a huge horror fan. So for me, that was just like a really nice touch of really, you know, subverting my expectations. I wasn't expecting there to be a horror side to a film where I'm expecting a giant monster to go on a rampage. So to me, I'm just going to take a bit of a different route and say that's going to be my favorite scene from this film because it really just caught me off guard and it was a very pleasant surprise. But I'm not taking away anything from what you guys said because both of those scenes were like honestly right up there next to it. But I just I don't know that those scene that scene at the beginning really it it caught me off guard a lot more than I expected it to. I got to say, man, I agree with that. But like. It was the city destruction for me, like it was just. The way it was on point, it, man. Like they didn't just try to do like Reptilicus did, where he just kind of flopped or like rubbed against stuff and it caught fire. It was like it made like even though it was definitely outlandish because he's just flapping his wings and generating wind and destroying shit. But there's it also something about it also kind of made about, sense. Yeah, it did something about fucking uh Haru Nakajima's movements that bring these monsters to life. Absolutely. Absolutely, and, man. He well, he, he put so much dedication into the role, not only because he liked doing it, but he wanted to. Keep, he, he was afraid of being fired too, because you know, you just, you can put pretty much anybody in a costume, and you know, you, you're not seeing their face. So what does it matter? You're like it's a monster. A monster is a monster. But he wanted yep. to stick with it, and he put a lot of dedication into the role so that he wasn't replaced. Yeah. And and like I said, I feel that this, this movie had a lot going for it, especially with the destruction. The destruction is honestly like one of its biggest selling points. And it is honestly one of its high points. It's something that I think a lot of people need to come and see this film. Just, just for the destruction alone at the end is worth the wait. It's honestly, it's an easy watch too. Like very much. I would recommend that you on a Friday night or a Saturday night, rent the movie i'm saying that like it's the early 2000s oh let me just rent the movie stream the movie stream the movie it's on hbo max (laughs) yeah it's on hbo max do they have both the japanese version and the american version on hbo max that i don't know i think it's only japanese from what i saw because i i have the dvd so uh i I, i'm not too sure i'll I'll have to look into that yeah uh, but definitely give it a watch. It's it's very it's it's easy to watch. Um, it's very entertaining. It's an so, overall great film. Oh, absolutely, it is. But now that we have picked our favorite scenes, it's time to wrap this beautiful package up in a pretty little bow. 
We need to get our final ratings in here, boys. Absolutely. Out of 10, what are we throwing Rodan? Cam, since you're back here for the first time, I need the rating on this bad boy. This is your baby you brought to us. What are you throwing Rodan with? Um, Japanese edition, I'm going to put it to a 7 out of 10, and the American version, an 8 out of 10. Hey, that's a fair, straight-to-the-point answer, and I appreciate that. Matt, give me some numbers, my man. Out of 10, what are bro, we throwing it? Bro, I got to say, man, that like I said, the fucking destruction of the sets, it's got me acting funny, bro. The color palettes, everything, it was it was popping. It wasn't, it wasn't what I expected, and it was a good way. Like, it was a good, unexpected occurrence. Like, it looked beautiful. I'd have to give it like a 9 out of 10. Like, the destruction was just so amazing. It definitely got me going. Hey, that's wonderful. I love to hear the positivity about it because it definitely has earned it. And now for myself, uh, I'm going to give Rodan a solid 8. I felt like it was a good film. They did good jobs with it. The scenes were amazing. Destruction was on point and some of the best we've seen from Toho. It's a classic film you can't miss. People, if you're listening to us, which I hope you is, go Shame watch Rodan. <laughs> go watch Lord. Rodan, especially watch it with some friends and sharing some wonderful kaiju goodness. Yeah, both the American version and the Japanese version are both 100% worth your time. So if you're wanting to catch a good kaiju flick, but you don't know what to do, your boys over here at the comic and kaijus got you hooked up for Rodan. Yeah, in the words of Joe Bob, four stars, check it out. Absolutely, dude. But now comes the comic portion of our lovely program, which I'm going to have to throw this back over to the man with the plan who knows all the ins and outs. Oh, Matt, take it away from me, my man. Bro, thank you for that introduction. Awesome. But before we get into that, we got to do a quick break. Give a shout out to projectlouder.net. Check us out. We got our merch link going up. That's right. Comics and Kaiju merch is up. We are going to work on getting some more pumped out. Check out Comics and Kaiju, Gore and More, Rabbit Hole, and everything else that has your needs. But to my bread and butter, the comic. We are covering a huge one. Mind you, this is going to be a part one of two, and we are doing The Amazing Spider-Man Maximum Carnage. Before we jump into it, though, since this is... A bit of a symbiote extravaganza. I gotta ask you guys, who's your favorite symbiote? Cameron, you go first. Venom right off the bat. Venom right off the uh, bat. Why? Uh, I don't... I think it was because when... Growing up, Spider-Man's my favorite superhero. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I watched a whole fuckload of Spider-Man media. Um... I can relate. I remember watching reruns of that late '90s uh, Spider-Man show, um, and Venom was <laughs> so badass in that. I think that's the film that uh, attracted me to that character. Oh, absolutely, dude! Uh, Venom was just a, well in the '90s Spider-Man show. Yeah, he's just a brute, and he's just evil, cunning. I just loved it. I love Honestly, him, man. I, you know. I got to say, I think what kind of draws him to you is that he's kind of like a fucking big old monster and you're the fucking kaiju guy. I mean, come on. It's a natural chemistry there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Austin? Who's your favorite symbiote? Man, I, I'm going to have to be the weird guy here. Once again, hit quirky and weird, but I'm going to actually throw out uh, my favorite being anti-venom. Ooh. 
Anti Venom is he's one of my favorite design symbiotes. Real quick, real quick. I, I'm Go. touched that you know who that is. It makes my makes my nerd heart warm. Continue. Buddy, I told you when you brought me here, I got ideas. I knows what's I speaking about. Anti Venom. <laughs> legit is one of the coolest versions you will ever see which we will get to you know oh, no eventually <laughs> it, it's gonna be one that i can't wait for and guys i'm telling you i can't wait to get to him because he is honestly just the coolest absolutely man i mean just his color design like mm, really pops on the pages so I, i'd say for me i'm gonna have to go basic bitch yeah venom I, I love just, the character he's so, development. He's just such a great character. I just love the character development that he goes through because, you know, at first, whenever he's first introduced, he's attached to Spider-Man. You know, they're getting along great. Spider-Man basically flips out and rips him off, and Venom is very hurt by it and bonds with Eddie Brock, who also has an issue with Peter Parker. So when they, like, when they kind of combine forces and work together to create what we know as Venom... Uh, they just have that combined hatred of Spider-Man, and they just want to kill him. They don't care what gets in the way. But also, you get this character development that's so great, where Venom goes uh, from like freaky, like bad guy to like kind of anti-hero, maybe even vigilante status. And I feel like that character development is really crucial, and I just love it. This is honestly a probably one of the best you're ever going to see the symbiotes in my mind. I think that this not all this whole comic that this whole I don't I guess you would say storyline. It really catapulted Venom and Carnage's popularity already that was already in the atmosphere into the stratosphere. Oh, especially absolutely. around I mean, its release. I mean, this is one of the it, most well-known Spider-Man comics of all time, let alone symbiote comics, you know? It's it's also very nice because growing up, I only thought Venom was a, you know, a villain, like a straight villain. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it was a nice breath of fresh air to see him kind of like in an anti-hero role. Absolutely. And I like Venom? that. Yeah, Venom really it's took not, on the anti-hero persona after Carnage really came about. It it's was not, it's not like it's unbelievable either. It yeah. I can see you can see the character doing something like that because mm -hmm. of, you know, he he wants to be the biggest character there and he's like, "Oh fuck, another symbiote." Yeah, no, fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah, it's it's honestly like Eddie Brock became a better Venom when Venom accidentally spawned Carnage. Carnage. Because he, you know, realized that Carnage was way more of a threat than he could ever be. And he would like he kept you know, he kept calling him his spawn. It's because he is. But he hated him and wanted to kill him because he was out of control. He like Venom at least has a sense of doing things, I exactly. guess you could say. Carnage I feel like Carnage just it, he does what his name is. Exactly. He has he just commits carnage to everything, killing, destroying everything in his sight with no rhyme or and, reason. And as he says throughout the comic, I mean, anytime anybody even brings up the idea of a plan, he lashes out, like tries to yeah. attack him, tries to kill him, mm -hmm. and, goes, and goes, "Fuck no! There's no reason for a plan. You know, we we're here to spread chaos. We're just 
completely impulsive, doing whatever comes to mind first. And honestly, I kind of like. I remember the. Yeah, it was kind of interesting seeing. uh, I'm gonna tell me if I'm saying this name wrong. It's Demogoblin, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Cool. 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 Um, Okay. Thank God. I, I didn't like, want to oh know if you Demo Goblin or Demo Goblin. <laughs> no, you're right. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Did you just say Demo Gop? Anyway. Fuck you. Um, <laughs> there are no, no words to the cool. fact that was, he was debating cool. between Demo Goblin and Demo Goblin. Listen, all right. I, there are some pretty retarded names out there for superheroes and villains. I right? mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, so, you're absolutely right, man. I mean, we live in no, a it was universe cool where there's calendar, see, man. Uh, Demogoblin yeah. uh, fight with uh, Carnage. He's like, this is wrong. You're just killing innocent people without rhyme or reason. There's no plan behind it. And he's like, there's not supposed to be a plan. You're just supposed to kill people. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like, what the hell's wrong with you? But that's what Carnage is all about. And that's why, like, I know a lot of people love Carnage, but it's the one reason why I don't really particularly like him as much as the other symbiotes, because I just feel like him being just chaotic and doing whatever he wants it's like i don't know to me it feels like it's too much like i, I feel like venom when Ve- i can i can respect that real quick uh like I, I could see that point of view it's just when you when you're focusing on a universe that's all about like huge planning villains like ultron like thanos just any big villains you see this universe with all of them and they're huge thinkers very intricate detailed plans it's kind of nice to see somebody who just wants to fuck shit up you know yeah i definitely agree but the reason that carnage will always be someone that like i like i think he's awesome and he's a good character but he's never going to be my favorite because of that just a little bit over the topness of him. I feel like when Venom first came onto the scene, his one prime objective was to kill Spider-Man. To me, I felt like that was at least he had a goal in mind. He was still doing whatever he wanted, but his still his goal was kill Spider-Man. It Carnage is more like kill everything that exists. It's like that's that's a fairly bold goal there, my guy. Like at least have like I want to kill everyone in this area or I want to kill everyone in this city or I want to kill everyone that Spider-Man loves or something like that. Like just, I want to kill everything that exists. That's a bit stout. Yeah. Uh, I, I also really, really love the design of carnage. Oh yeah. It's His design is one look. of the best. Oh, it's just dude. like a pure evil. Like everything looking. about him just ebbs chaotic. Like you got mm-hmm. the weird tentacles going out and like, different like weird spots on him and they're always changing and he he almost looks kind of fluid half the time too yeah Mm -hmm. but he's got that very blood look to him but that's because he that is because this spy this version of carnage has mutated well it's not really this version this is 616 earth so it is carnage he has uh he has mutated to the point of where he actually lives and exists in Cletus Cassidy's blood. Yeah. He can now, not only can he, you know, do, he can essentially be immortal at this point. Absolutely. He, like, even a singular cell of his blood can reproduce the symbiote. So that's what makes it so crazy of how strong he is. <clears throat> and to the credit of, 
you know, I, I guess just Cletus Cassidy being fucking crazy enough to not only deal with him, but keep him in existing with him. It, it the bond between the symbiote and Cletus had gotten stronger. So their ideologies have blended up better. He is stronger. Carnage is stronger and way more chaotic in this line because he's back stronger. And he even goes toe to toe with Venom and multiple other people and takes them on easily by oh, himself. Absolutely. I mean, fucking there's panels where Venom's like, holy fuck. Carnage is like way more powerful than I remembered. Like, He's just on a whole other <laughs> level for even Venom. And Venom, Venom's a pretty heavy hitter when it comes to like Spider-Man oh, yeah. villains. And yeah. if, if even he is saying, holy fuck, this guy's kind of tough. Oh, you that's can saying imagine, something. Yeah, you can only imagine how tough like that person actually is. Yeah, I agree. And I think that a lot of people forget that uh, that Venom, when he first fought Carnage... In the original, uh, in the original telling of Carnage's tale of being incarnated, Venom lost, mm-hmm. and it took it's because Ven- Venom to team up. It, it took both of them to take him down. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people forget that, and a lot of people forget that Carnage is canologically the more powerful of the two symbiotes. Mm-hmm. But the reason, the reason that we are able to see venom succeed and to see venom get out of these situations is like i said about carnage venom thinks yeah he has a conscience to think about each and every move he makes he does each and everything the way he does he does it in a way to where he can get away from situations like in the comic how he actually physically hides a piece of the symbiote in the fucking sonic gun Mm -hmm. like that that they took from reed richards yeah they legit he he had the conscious thought in the middle of combat to hide himself in a weapon that weakens him, which, by the way, that's another mutation that this carnage has now achieved, is he has the ability to be resistant to high power frequencies, which was one of his original, you know, uh, that was one of the original symbiote weaknesses Absolutely. that even Venom himself said he is our spawn, so he should have the same weaknesses. Mm. Unbeknownst to them, he mutated to be like, yeah, no, I, I really don't care. It's like, oh, that's that's new. That's new. So that's, fucking <laughs> <good>. <laughs> that, that's not cool, man. It's like, so, yeah, so well, guys, tough titty. Uh, the only plan we had didn't work. Who's got plan C? <laughs> we got another plan here. Nah, man, this was it. Fuck. This was absolutely, <laughs> it. and they're just like, we're fucking dead. <laughs> well, oh, spaghetti up. <laughs> so it, it's really kind of cool to see Carnage evolved and. It was cool to see Carnage be more of this just super aggressive version of himself and more powerful. But it was also it was also cool to see Venom be back just as badass, just as big, just as powerful, but also being able to be a little bit more quicker witted on his head instead of just being more on his animalistic side of just, you know, brute force and destruction. Absolutely. But I kind of want to change the direction that we're talking. I want to put focus on our boy Spidey. And I, what I really want us to get to the nitty gritty about is his, his kind of decline in morality as the first half of the comic progresses. Because this is a part one of two. So 
you see Spider-Man at the very beginning as the Spider-Man that we all know and love, you know, do not kill, you know, I save everybody no matter how bad they are. You know, they go to prison, they bust out, I got a sequel, right? We get to see that version of Spider-Man at the very beginning. Goody two-shoes can always see the best in everything. But as the as it continues to progress in the comic and the situation just gets worse and worse and worse, more villains start teaming up with Carnage, the entire city is starting to burn. You know, he's he's starting to team up with Black Cat, with Venom. And you could kind of like, he, he kind of even says at one point, he's like, how much of myself am I selling in order yeah. to take down Carnage? And it's it's crazy because we get that scene where he goes to Aunt May's and he's talking to his dad. And his dad is talking about how, like, he was captured by Soviets and stuff like that. And Peter leaves and he suits up. <laughs> and at the point that he finally has snapped, he goes... And makes the proclamation that he will take down Carnage no matter the cost, which is not something we hear coming from Spider-Man because he always thinks of the collateral damage. He always thinks of the little guy and always tries to focus on saving. And there's even the point where he's swinging by and they're chasing down Carnage and Spider-Man sees a car robbery going on. And he goes, no, I don't have That's more than a car robbery. That's a whole damn riot he jumps into, man. Absolutely. But at first, he only notices the car robbery, and he's like, nah, I, I don't have time for this. You know, I need to stop Carnage no matter what. And he's like, wait, what What am I thinking? Like, who am I to decide who deserves to be saved and not? And that's when he swoops in mm-hmm. and tries to save them, and then, you know, it's a whole-ass fucking riot. So the people that were getting their car robbed also turned on Spider-Man, and then there's some gunshots. Shit goes crazy. But still, like, it's just crazy to see that Peter went through this amount of just, I don't really know how to word it. Kind of just like throw it was a brutality out. It was a brute. It was a brutality of his own psyche. Exactly. It it was tested. Like you, you see, you see his very core values start to decay actively Mm -hmm. as this comic progresses. I like how it wasn't a supervillain that officially broke Spider-Man. It was the city itself. It it was the people. Exactly. Because, because they he, were so quick he, to join the rioting. Yeah, because mm-hmm. they, they surround him and they're starting to beat him up. And he just beats all of them off. And he just proclaims, he's like, if you guys want to act like devils, I'll treat you like devils. Precisely. Yeah, which I thought was a very, very, very good line oh, no, of it, dialogue. It was, yeah, it was, it was he, really he, good. He learns from his father that he can't go on trying to be this you know, trying to see the good in everybody. There are just people out there that are also, by the way, they, they do just have Peter's parents just kind of big chilling in this comic, which is a bit odd, but just a heads up for anybody that's like, well, that's not canon. It it gets explained in a later comic. So that's actually uh, not real. They're actually Pete. They're actually chameleon Mm -hmm. uh, clones. So they're not actually his parents. So just, Heads up if you read this and you see Peter's parents and you're kind of like, uh, I thought they died. I thought they died. Well, you're not wrong. They did. And that is not really them. So just quick heads to yourself. Yeah, honestly. Yeah. (laughs) Cause I almost kind of got a little upset. Like I'm like, what the hell is going on? And then I did my research and it it explains in later comics. hundred percent. But like I said, it's just nice to see that touch where, you know, similar to the, uh, Daredevil versus Punisher that we were talking about and reviewing, you, you could just see the changes in ideology and like the further willingness to go to any means 
to defeat their enemy. You know, with the Punisher being like, at first, you know, I don't want to kill Daredevil. And then he's like, you know what? I think he doesn't need legs, and that's okay. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that's okay. And, and I feel like legs, I feel like we see a very similar progression, obviously to a more extreme with Peter Parker, because you know he's finally snapping. He's like, you know what? Carnage needs to go, no matter what. And yep. it's it's amazing to see, like no pun intended, but it really is just quite the shock to see that this villain has destroyed his city has destroyed his morality to the point where he's like, fuck it, I might actually kill. And it's amazing to see. Yeah, it was. And this was a really good comic, especially not just on the action, on the drawing, and all of what we've covered already. We could go go on about the art style for hours, talking about how orgasmically beautiful this art is. so good. (laughs) Like I've said, and I'll say it again, this is my favorite era of drawings for Spidey because I think it looks the best because they draw him a lot of the times. Like it's kind of like a play on the original art style for Spidey, but it's a little bit more emphasized. There's a little more darker lines and details in between. It's a little more sharp edged and a little more, I guess you could call it edgy designed to Peter and Spidey, but it plays off of the old style of them just being these big, huge dudes. And instead of it being in the later comics of Dude, Peter like being just saying, a scrawny guy, like you were fucking saying, bro, Spider-Man, Peter Parker was fucking jacked. I mean, this dude, Oh my God, like roided out basically. But I mean, that's how it's <laughs> supposed to be. Like Peter exactly. goes from being the scrawny kid to being this just jacked up superhero. That's mm-hmm. the point. And exactly. to me, a lot of the later comic renditionings of Spidey, they really just they, they downplay more, how strong he is. They show him more athletic, like not really like bodybuilder, but like more athletic, like maybe uh, yeah. gymnast, like a like somebody who's really big into gymnastics is what they kind of portray him as, like an acrobat instead, you know? Yeah, no, and I agree with that. But I, I really enjoyed the way this comic not only looked, it was easy on the eyes, it was an easy read, and honestly, just a banger for what it was i mean it just it had so much happening in it and and not gonna lie it was kind of nice seeing j jonah jameson in an actual like fearful state like because when when carnage when when carnage first (laughs) breaks out they're like hey you know you you need to pay attention because uh you know carnage is out and you could just see the terror cross his eyes and in his head, he's like, no, there's no way. I just need to get my passports. I need to get the fuck out of here. And he opens the office door. Carnage waiting right there, sitting on his desk. And he's just like, oh, Stop. fuck. Oh, fuck. <laughs> and it was just nice seeing this guy who has absolutely spit on everything that Spider-Man has done up until this point. It was just kind of rewarding to see him be like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Essentially, Yeah. And it was a good thing to see because honestly, it's been like a long time coming for him. And I'm glad that he finally gets kind of like the comeuppets that we've really all been waiting to see. And I not death, but not death, but just, you know, kind of like a bit of the bugle and he like scares Joe to half to death. Yeah, which I mean, that's what we're really wanting. I mean, and we don't want. Yeah, no, no to die, like but harm or anything, but like a good little shakeup. Yeah, and that's exactly what they were going for. That's exactly what they did. And I'm honestly, I was, I was fine with it. I thought it was funny. I thought it was a, a long thing coming, and I'm glad it did. It's 
Carnage had an agenda and he knew his resources, but when Carnage actually thinks, that's when I think he is at his peak. Because when he actually stops for a second, he's like, well, if I think for like 10 seconds, I could actually do whatever I want. It's like, yes, just stop wanting to murder everything for five seconds and you can go do or be whatever you and focus and you'll be fine. A a carnage that actually focuses and makes a plan is such a fucking scary thought to me because it is if he only devoted like four hours to a plan, I'm sure there's like not anything that he cannot do on the earth. Like, yeah, as far as like restricted to earth, four hours planning, dude, it's just insane the amount of things that you could think that he could even do. But it's the fact that he's so impulsive that kind of balances him down. But it is, it's just a scary thought to even think of, you know? <laughs> yeah. I uh, I definitely got to say another, uh, another group of characters I was really excited to see and I was really caught kind of caught off guard when I read this for the first time was getting to see Cloak and Dagger. Oh, yeah. Actually yes. be active. That was it. They're very lesser known Marvel Cloak, characters. Okay, in my opinion, it was nice. It was really nice to see uh, Cloak and Dagger appear, but also Morbius as well, because Morbius yeah. doesn't have all that much limelight. There's a either. lot of characters that appear in this and it took me off guard. I didn't expect to see all these characters. Absolutely. Yes, name. And I, I was not expecting Cloak to see this much. Like I love Cloak and Dagger. They have such a really unique uh like what would you call it like god what is it like they have this really unique chemistry compared to other heroes working together and it's really nice to see them getting fleshed out in a comic that's not even about them but yeah but they managed to like centered around them at the same time yeah cool. i agree it was, it was really cool because like i I'm, i mean i'm not gonna lie i'm not i love spider-man but I don't know a lot about the side characters. No, we understand. So I mean, I mean, the way that you are about kaiju and shit like that, or sorry, the way you are about comics is the way I am about kaiju and shit. Like, I'm over here, like, oh yeah, this is this is cool as fuck. Big monster do big crash, and then you know, you guys, <laughs> you, you guys are doing like all the nerd talks, and I'm like, I'm just eating it up, bro. Like, it, it's fucking, it's lovely to hear and shit, and I'm just no, absorbing like, all this. So I can understand that, like, you're getting the same thing whenever we're getting into like the comics I, and shit. Man. As I was reading, oh. as I was reading, it was cool. I was like, wait, who the fuck is that? And I'm like, is that a vampire? Who the fuck is that guy? Oh, dude, Morbius is one of my favorite Morbius comic book iterations cool of any monster. vampire. <laughs> I, I'm just throwing this out here. Uh, like he He's just an amazing. And I can't wait for the live action movie to come out. I saw that. Oh, yeah, that's going to be so cool. I, I'm not really the world's biggest Jared Leto fan, especially after his uh, role as the Joker. That was a bit rough. Let's not sugarcoat it. After I watched the Morbius trailer, I was like, you know what? This is something that I could definitely give the benefit of the doubt. Maybe, maybe that'll be his redemption. (laughs) Is if he does the character justice. Oh, dude! From what we saw in the trailer, from what we saw in the trailer for Morbius, oh, dude! I feel like there's gonna be a lot more Morbius fans out there after this movie. Oh yeah, I think so. I think it's gonna have a pretty big resurgence. In all honesty, absolutely. Uh, I'm trying to think. There was one character that I saw that appeared that I had not seen them in a long time, and I remembered that they showed up, and I was like, "Damn, they really actually be showing him." And I haven't seen him since the one time I saw him in one comic that I read by mistake. Are you talking about? uh, 
Is that the dude that's like the the ripoff of Spawn? Oh no. No, there's a dude there. Like, it. This is part two, which will come later. But all I'm gonna say is, homie is just dead ass a ripoff of Spawn. They like he they Marvel made him in. He's literally got a living suit. Looks like Spawn. Living suit. It's Spawn, but it's not Spawn. Because obviously it can't be Spawn because you know copyright and all that jazz. I can't remember. It's near the back end of the comic. He showed up to fight, uh, to fight near the end and help out the heroes. I I hear the comic flipping in the background. Like he's he's looking. I have the physical copy of this. (laughs) Yeah, like I I hear him (laughs) over there just (laughs) flipping, flipping, flipping. Find this. Hold up. You saying it was like towards the end? It was. It was like (laughs) mid mid to end. Yes. Hold on, I'll actually even look up, try to find it myself, because like now I'm now I'm just curious. Uh, I just want to figure, figure, figure out who you're talking about for a second, because like if, if I could see his face, I'm Spider Man, Maximum Carnage, not Spider Man Two. Fuck it, I'm not playing the game. Fuck. Good game though. <laughs> it's an amazing game. <laughs> no pun intended again. <laughs> I'm being honest. Oh, and it was nice to see Deathlock. Honestly, yeah, because he's a very like overlooked character. Definitely, he's fucking hardcore slept on, bro. Oh my god! Oh, I found him. Hold up. Yeah, cause he's up there talking to Morbius. That does his fucking face mask looks like a dead ringer for fucking Spawn. Oh, you found it. Oh yeah, it's Nightwatch. Nightwatch. Yeah, that's him. That's him. That's him. Yeah. Yeah, he is straight up a dead ass ripoff of Spawn. Change my mind. <laughs> I mean, there's no way you can. Like, even his fucking cape is drawn very similarly to Spawn. Yes! And Cameron, like, he looks remember, almost exactly like Spawn. And Cameron, if you remember, bro, very first episode, Spawn is very close to our hearts because that was when we first started comics in Kaiju. That was the first comic we reviewed, was Spawn Omnibus Bless. Volume 1. Bless. Oh, dude, such a good comic. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, yeah, um, he, he looks exactly like they just they were just like, you know what? This is kind of popular for the time. Let's just control C, control V. There we go. Done. <laughs> <laughs> and oh shit, sorry, we gotta change the colors. I feel like that's 10% change. We can't get copywritten, right? Nah, alright, cool. <laughs> and we'll just call him uh uh fuck, 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 fuck. Oh, night watch. You know what? That sounds fine. We haven't used that yet. Exactly. We haven't used that name yet, have we? And Stanley's in the back, like I don't know. Sure. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> sure. Do you know it? Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Put it through. Fucking <laughs> whatever. Put it through. <laughs> and action. <laughs> oh, but it was nice to see all these like really slept-on characters get fleshed out in this. Like we were talking about, Demogoblin. You got fucking Morbius. You got Deathlock. You got fucking Shriek. Shriek, one of the most slept on villains ever because even hardcore comic book, like fucking nerds like us, I have met have so a, many that don't even know who she is. Then you have Doppelganger. Is that his, is that his Do- actual Doppelganger. character? Doppelganger. Doppelganger. Yeah, Doppelganger. And then you have Carrion. Is that his name? 
Is it his name? Carrion? Is that what you say? I the guy who the the tan looking dude who uh who like he touches people and he just like decomposes their body through touch. Oh yeah, yeah, that's Carrion. I didn't like the long silence after I said his name. Like the right page. Did I say that right? Did I fuck it up? But I do. I, I was trying to think of who you were talking about for a second. Like I said, yeah, they kind of called me off guard. Yeah, because yeah, like, like we were talking about we were talking about the big frontliners in this one, and you're like, yeah, then that one dude that just touches people and they, yeah, you know. But no, like, I, I just really love that they're fleshing out these lesser-known characters. Like, they mentioned Green Goblin. You, you kind of have to in a Spider-Man comic, not going to lie. But at the mm, same time, you. they weren't just focusing on huge characters like Venom and Carnage to carry it. They had so many s- side characters just showing up causing chaos, joining one team or the other. Like, for instance, Morbius. And like I said, Morbius is my favorite comic book iteration of a vampire, period. Yes, that Very is above much Blade. So. That is above Blade, and I do love my boy Blade. True, Blade's a badass, but Morbius is just now. Morbius is just more badass. Entire fucking like mood, bro. Now, True, I've, heard, I've I've seen the character Morbius, and I've heard about the character. Is he a villain? Yes, he's no? an anti-hero. anti-hero. He is in the same. He is in the same ballpark as Venom is. Yeah, okay. he's willing to kill to survive, though. Like he will kill. I mean, he's a vampire. He kind of has to do that. Well, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, I mean, there's ways around it, especially modern days. But yeah, get with the times, old man. Get with the times. Shut up! I can just do the blood bank. The future's now, old man. The future's now, old man. Look at my Capri Thun pouch that's full of blood. Pluck. <laughs> I can keep it in the fridge. It's real cool. Very cool and quisp. Cool and quisp. All right, so now that we've got that out of the way, overall, out of the comic, we've said some really iconic names, some lesser known names as well. What is your favorite character out of the one through seven issues that we've read? Um, I'm trying to think because I want to almost say cloak and dagger because that was just such and I'm I'm talking to them as together because honestly one can't use without the other they're a team they're one and the same and I almost want to say them just because I was so caught off guard by them appearing and I was like wow like I was not expecting cloak and dagger that was just really it kind of blindsided me and I wasn't expecting them to be there and you know what? Yeah, you know, fuck it. I, yeah, Cloak and Dagger is going to be my favorites because I honestly, I just wasn't expecting it. Absolutely, it really took it really kind of caught me off guard, and I was surprised, and it was a pleasantly good surprise, mm-hmm. and they were a fun addition to the to the comic, and they were a fun addition to the fights, and they also brought their own plot with it that we're not going to spoil, just in case our viewers want to read this. It is a very good read. Definitely check it. Oh, out. Oh yeah. If you got it or can get a hold of it to read it, recommend it nine times out of ten. I'm telling you, 90s comics at its best. Absolutely. Now, Cameron, what was your favorite character, bro? Uh, I want to say Ben. Well, <laughs> no. The no. basic bitch and be Venom again. Yeah, I'm going to be the basic bitch. No. Because um, <laughs> it was cool to see a lot I of like- characters that I haven't, you know, really read in about mm-hmm. read up about you know 
I I have to say uh, Demogoblin. I just love the design. I also like how <laughs> I like the scene where the priest tries to like ward him away mm-hmm. with the cross, and he's like, "Ew, fuck yeah. off, <laughs> <laughs> fuck off, yeah, fuck absolutely, off. man." I, I can understand that, and bro, we're not gonna give you shit for not knowing some of these characters, man. I mean, you're you're here, you're trying to expand. You know, that would just be toxic of us. So I will read a fucking book. <laughs> God damn, <Hey>. Austin. <laughs> So, so, uh, so Austin's definitely a toxic fandom type of guy. <laughs> Read a fucking book, you nerd. Read a book. I like Carnage because it's like the symbiote version of Harley Quinn. Okay, bro. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. That entire sentence needs to go straight to hell. <laughs> That's going in the no no box. Oh, don't ever say that. Again. <laughs> Anyway, as far as, as far as my favorite character goes, I'm gonna have to go with the the character I keep naming off. It, it's my boy Morbius. All right, it's nice seeing him just get get the credit he kind of deserves and just a little bit of the spotlight. It's lovely. Honestly, not even just the credit, just getting mentioned at all and getting shown honestly, is incredible. Honestly, and it's in such a big comic too. I mean, this is one of the most well known Spider Man comics to date, definitely. Oh yeah, for sure. And it, it's just nice seeing him. You know, just getting fleshed out a little bit in this. It, it's really amazing. So, uh, favorite panel. What was your guys' favorite scene? Let's go with Cameron oh, first. Bastard. I can't believe you're going to make us do this. Yes, sir. Favorite panel? Can I just, like, list, like, my favorite issue? <laughs> go ahead, man. Oh, fuck. That'll be so much easier. <laughs> Bro, it's an absolute <laughs> banger of a fucking comic. Like, I chose a really fucking good one for this one. Yeah, uh, it's probably going to be the first issue because I I like seeing uh, Cletus Cassidy, um, as just in his mm, human form. Are you, are you talking about the like his fucking psychopath dialogue in like the prison and then the dude, he's a fucking opening he's a maniac. Just yeah, I love. I also, I don't know why, but I think the the art style for that one is I just like the the way that looks I like the way Mary Jane looks I like the way Cleese Cassidy looks mm-hmm. uh, I like the way Spider Man looks um, plus the design for Cletus is just really like batshit insane yes I love his like bright orange hair and oh, his yeah. like wicked eyebrows and this creepy Joker smile crazy yeah yeah um, and then Mary Jane. She's got that huge, poofy, like, 80s hairstyle. Uh, kind of <laughs> reminds me of, like, what'd you say? Huh? The 90s. <laughs> 90s. 90s. Oh, sorry. I know, but it, it's very <laughs> 80s-esque. You know what, motherfucker? <laughs> we just got to give you a little bit of shit, Cameron. Come on. I'll drive down there and fuck you in the ass. Oh, God. Promise? <laughs> <laughs> Dead ass? Oh, Dead, Dead ass. ass. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> the sexual yeah. aggression in this episode is Absolutely. through the roof. It's amazing. <laughs> it's what happens when you get the boys back. <laughs> the boys. We start acting funny. Well, I'd have to say my favorite panel is definitely you know like I was saying just how like all the just mental decline or not really mental but more moral decline that Spider Man goes through. My favorite panel is when he's swinging and he just makes that proclamation of. I'm going to do this no matter what it takes. It's just, to me, it speaks volumes. 
And it's all the buildup of the start of that comic to that point. And to me, it was just the most impactful of the entire first half of the book that we read, in my opinion. I I think so too though. I think you picked a banger of a of a comic, my man. And I think your I think your pick is really it's it's pretty fucking spot on if I'm being honest. I mean it, just all the power and emotion behind it, I really think it really fueled that panel into being my absolute favorite. And mind you, there are a lot of good panels in this. Uh if you guys are looking for like a comic that's got a lot of action, a lot of fighting, this is definitely one to go to. Like it's got all There's the a hell of a lot of fighting in this. Oh, so much. But uh now we gotta get down to that final rating, boys. Uh, I'm gonna let Austin start off on this one. Out of ten, what would you rate just the first half, mind you? Just the first half. What would you rate it? And see, that's tough because I wanna rate the entire thing. Because I know what my entire thing's rating's gonna be, but I'm saving that for, we'll that for the, part the next like episode. The Daredevil. Well, for first half. Nine out of ten. It's this is honestly like probably one of my favorite, if not my favorite Spider-Man comic. I mean, Mm -hmm. I have a lot of favorites, but this comic storyline is one of my favorites and has been one that I've always enjoyed reading and rereading. Like I said, I love the uh, I love the art style. I love the story. I love the writing that they have for these for these characters. They feel like they're at full swing. They're at maximum popularity, at maximum styling. And the next half, they just exaggerate it even further and get even better and more. The the comic just gets even more and more badass the more you read. Absolutely, man. Cameron, how about you, man? One to ten. Um, Out of ten. I'm probably going to have to go with an eight out of ten. Eight out of ten. It's it's a... Yeah, it's a solid, solid series so far overall. Um, I like how with every issue, uh, a new character comes into play. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're, they're just adding more fuel to the fire. Um, so you're constantly on your toes. It never lets up either. It's, it's not like, oh, there's a dull moment that just ruins the pacing. Uh, there's always some sort of action going on, and I like that. Absolutely, man. Helps with my ADHD brain of mine. <laughs> Definitely helps seeing all the <laughs> action and nice colors. I'm sure. Yeah, ooh, pretty colors. Ooh, pretty color. <laughs> well, uh, I'm gonna start off by saying fuck both of you. Uh, oh thinking, wow! For thinking that this comic is anything less than perfect. That's right. I'm giving it the ten out of ten. Uh, it's. It's really just Spider-Man down to his fucking core, like all the way through everything. It's just, it fits so perfectly. Like in my mind, I can't imagine a better Spider-Man comic than honestly, Maximum Carnage. Like it is just so much fun to read. You get the psychological decline. You get uh, the fucking rogues gallery of villains that we got going on. The lesser knowns, the big ones, you know, all clashing together. You got the city just tearing itself apart. The artwork, like you said, man, I mean, this is Spider-Man's artwork in its prime. It's just beautiful to me. Absolutely, man. It's it's impossible for me to even think of it as less than perfect. But I understand. Nine, eight, those are still really good scores. But uh, this is definitely a comic that I would reference and definitely recommend for anybody to read. If you like Spider-Man, check it out. If you're just, eh, check it out. 
<laughs> uh, honestly, yeah, it's an amazing fucking read. Like, if you're if you want to know where a good starting place is to kind of get you into comics, this will set the bar extremely high. I was just gonna say that know. that's. I was I was just gonna say yeah. If you want to start into comics, like I feel like this is the way to go. Just because I mean, think of Spider Man is a classic comic book character. Exactly. You can't get, yeah, you cannot go wrong with Spider-Man. And honestly, if you're starting here, you're going to appreciate the artwork so much more than any other era of comic book. The 70s to 90s, I would say, is the best artwork for comics. I do like some of the more modern art, though, but that's just me. But I still have to say the best is from 70s to 90s. Oh, I agree. I can definitely vouch for that. This was a fun fucking episode, boys. Absolutely yeah. Blessed. It's it's nice to be back at full capacity. Thank you, Cameron, for joining us today, bro. Yeah, of course. It's good to be back. Absolutely, yeah. man. Chomping at the bit to come back. Absolutely, man. I mean, that's what this is all about. We're here just talking about kaiju, talking about comic books. You know, of course, that's the name. But we're really having here, a fun man, time. Just, just having a fucking fun time, getting our nerd talk in, getting our nerd on, honestly. Just mm-hmm. yeah, forget it, forgetting about the problems of the world and jumping into the pages of these comics that just honestly kind of jump back at you and these monster destructions. They're just fun to just sit back and watch, man. I mean, it, it's yeah, a blast mm-hmm. doing this. I really yeah, enjoy it. I don't think I could ask for two better comic or sorry for two better co-hosts to really help out with a comic and kaiju. <laughs> oh, man, you gonna make me cry? Shut the fuck up, bitch. <laughs> Shut up, I'm monologuing. <laughs> this, I'm was monologuing. De- this was definitely a, a good episode. I think that we were really needing to, especially after the week that we missed, to come back with such a banger to Absolutely. really we had, we had set two, the tone and the pace back again. Absolutely. We had two solid titles. We had Rodan and we had Maximum Carnage. I feel like it was the best way to kind of give us that extra boost we need. Ooh, yeah, I definitely agree. I uh, I think were, I don't... These were two giant like topics very much so you get rodan one of the godfathers of the kaiju world and then you get maximum carnage one of the granddaddy of all spider-man comics absolutely and you honestly have a wonderful blend for a wonderful podcast and boys i gotta say this one was definitely the banger we had hoped it would be absolutely well we won't keep you guys any longer uh this is your host quarter j signing out this is awesome with once again enjoyed another wonderful episode and guys we're here to keep going We're going to keep rolling and we'll catch you in the next one. Absolutely. Stay sexy, motherfuckers.